Some believe that no one left behind after the rapture can receive salvation. In fact, many will come to Christ at that time, but living for Him won't be easy. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah takes a closer look at the horrors of the seven-year tribulation and what life will be like for new believers. From The Great Disappearance, here's David to introduce the conclusion of Salvation in the Tribulation. You know, I have studied this uh, particular section of time in the future uh, pretty diligently, and, uh, and it's an amazing time. Just think about this. Moses and Elijah will return to the earth. Uh, they will be killed. Then they'll be resurrected. Then they'll be raptured. And all of these things are going to be happening around the gospel because people are going to be hearing the gospel, and then these signs and wonders are going to verify the gospel. So hundreds and hundreds of people will come to Christ. Thousands of people will come to Christ. Most biblical scholars that I know believe this will be the greatest revival that ever occurs on planet Earth. But it will not be a clean one because people will be accepting Christ one day and being assassinated the next. And uh, the Antichrist will be fighting like a, a, a cornered animal to preserve his kingdom and God will be at work in the hearts of so many people. You don't want to miss this chapter in The Great Disappearance. I've wrote about it very diligently. It's called Salvation in the Tribulation. And the book is available to you for a gift of any size. When you write to Turning Point, simply say, please send me Dr. Jeremiah's new book, The Great Disappearance. And when you send a gift to help us, it'll be in the mail to you. We have a lot of extra people helping us get this product out. You're going to want to get it as soon as possible, and we're going to help you do just that. Well, we're going to start today with part two of salvation in the tribulation. So let's open our Bibles to the book of Revelation. Let's open our hearts to the Word of God. We like to think and speak about the love of God. Nothing I love to preach about more than the love of God. I've written a whole book, and the title of the book is God Loves You. He always has, and he always will. One of my favorite writings. But wrath goes hand in hand with love. In fact, love and wrath are two sides of the same coin. One who is infinitely good as God is, rightly abhors evil because evil is the enemy of goodness. Evil is, in fact, like a parasite, a blight, a cancer on goodness. It feeds on and destroys good. Therefore, God rightly directs his wrath at evil. The prophet Nahum explained the nature of God's wrath in this way. He said, the Lord avenges and is furious. The Lord will take vengeance on his adversaries, and he will reserve wrath for his enemies. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power and will not at all acquit the wicked. One of these days... Those who have been so evil, think of trafficking, think of enslaving children into prostitution, think of the things that are happening on our border, think of things that are happening in all of our nation, all the evil that is manifesting itself in your day and in mine. One of these days, and it can't be far into the future, God will step forward and he will make things right. Because he's a good God and he cannot do otherwise. God cannot stand by, for instance, and say out of one side of his mouth how much he loves life and loves children and ignore 
the killing of children. A good God cannot do that. No good God could do that. He must be just. He must be fair. He must be righteous. And righteous he will be, and his righteousness will flame up during the tribulation period. But here's the third thing about the tribulation that catches everybody by surprise. Over the years, as I've preached about prophecy, sometimes people come to me and say, Pastor Jeremiah, when do you think the revival is going to start? And I say to them, what revival is that? Well, the revival that has to happen before Jesus has come back. Well, it's possible that that will happen, but the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible doesn't predict that before Jesus comes back in the rapture, that there will be an incredibly evangelistic thrust around the world. In fact, it pretty much tells you differently. Let me tell you one thing, though. The rapture does not demand a revelation of revival before it happens, but after it happens, the greatest revival in the history of the world is going to take place on planet Earth. Did you know that? During the tribulation period, four streams of gospel are going to run through this nation like you have never seen. Now listen to me. Isn't it like our God that during the time of this punishment, he's holding out his hands to invite people to himself so they can escape the wrath to come. Everywhere in the Bible where you see God at work in judgment, you see God at work in mercy. It is inevitable that those two things go together. Yes, God will judge evil, but he will never stop inviting people through his grace and his mercy. Let me show you what I mean. The gospel will be preached throughout this period of time. First of all, there will be at least four streams of gospel. The first one is the preaching of the 144,000. Now, let me show you where that is in the Bible, and then you can look at it for yourself at a later date. In the front lines of God's effort to bring tribulation survivors to himself will be 144,000 specially chosen Jewish evangelists who will flame out over this earth with the message of salvation. Here is where you will find that in the Bible, Revelation chapter 7. And I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was granted to harm the earth and the sea, saying, Do not harm the earth, do not harm the sea, do not harm the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. And I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel were sealed. God will ordain 144,000 Jews for a very special mission during the tribulation. Now think about it. He only had 12 Jews and he turned the first century upside down. Can you imagine what will happen when 12,000 times 12 are set loose on this earth? How many souls will be saved by the message of these evangelists? How many people will come to Christ? I don't know the number, but I can tell you from reading the Bible how many it will be. This is in Revelation chapter 7. This is what the Bible says. After these things I looked and behold a great multitude which no one could number of all nations and tribes and peoples and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed with white robes with palm branches in their hands. 
Then one of the elders answered, saying to me, Who are these arrayed in white, and where did they come from? So he said to me, These are the ones who come out of the great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. What does it say about that number? It says it's such a great number you can't even number it. The people that get saved in the tribulation just from the witness of the 144,000 evangelists is amazing. But that's only part of the picture. Along with the preaching of the 144,000, God is going to send back to this earth two personalities from the Bible. They call them the two witnesses. In Revelation 11:3, we read these words, I will give power to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy 1,260 days clothed in sackcloth. Now, we don't have time to argue about the identity of these two witnesses. Just let me tell you, if you read the careful scripture, you will discover they are Moses and Elijah. No two men in Israel's history would receive greater respect than Moses and Elijah. Moses was God's great deliverer, and so highly did the Jews think about Elijah that when they saw Jesus' miracles, they thought maybe he was Elijah. They will come back to this earth. Now, they will have a dynamic ministry, I believe, that will be produced so that everybody on earth will see it through television and the Internet and all of the rest. They will preach a hard gospel. They will confront human wickedness. They will tell to the teeth of horrid godlessness what it means to worship the devil and what is going to happen to them because of it. And as you can well imagine, they will not be loved. Halfway through the tribulation, the two witnesses will be killed for their testimony and their miracles. And their bodies, according to the scripture, will be displayed in the city of Jerusalem, in the main city, and will be there for people to see. And of course, the devil and his cohorts and the Antichrist will party and rejoice. We finally got these two witnesses out of our way. Everybody will be watching this on television. Now watch this. I'm making some of this up. There'll be a commercial. And when the commercial is over, they'll come back, and all of a sudden, these two witnesses are resurrected. They get up out of their coffins and stand in front of the cameras, alive and well, and certainly preaching the gospel again. Now, friends, if you're not saved and you don't get saved then, there's probably no hope for you. What will happen when that takes place around the world, when the two witnesses come back from the dead? And as stunned people watch, the two men, once alive and unleashed, will hear a voice from heaven, and this is what the voice will say. Come up here, and a cloud will envelop them, and they will be raptured to heaven as people watch on television in total astonishment. I'm not making this up. This is in the Bible. And you know what I thought about this week? I never thought about this before. Did you know Elijah's going to get raptured twice? He gets raptured in the Old Testament in the chariot, and he gets raptured here in the tribulation. How do you get to get raptured twice? I mean, raptured once is amazing. This dude gets raptured twice. And then 
If the 144,000 witnesses are not enough, if the incredible miracle working witnesses are not enough, God has a third way. The Bible tells us that he's going to dispatch an angel from heaven who will fly all over the earth preaching the gospel. Here's where you find that in Revelation 14. And I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to Jesus, for the hour of his judgment has come, and worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of water. Are you getting the picture? I painted the dark backdrop of the tribulation period, how awful it will be. But in the midst of it all, 144,000 witnesses, two dynamic miracle-working prophets, now an angel circulating the globe and preaching the gospel, filling in the empty places, the safety net, if you will. And there's one more. I have to say, I owe this one to a friend of mine who's now in heaven, whose name is Henry Morris. Henry Morris wrote a lot of books, and he wrote a book on Revelation. And he said this, Millions upon millions of copies of the Bible and Bible portions have been published in all major languages and distributed throughout the world. Removal of believers from the world at the rapture will not remove the scriptures, and multitudes will no doubt be constrained to read the Bible. Thus, multitudes will turn to their Creator and Savior in those days and will be willing to give their testimony for the Word of God and even their lives as they seek to persuade the world that the calamities it is suffering are judgments from God. So, I think that in the tribulation, I might be on the YouTube. You know, I'm all over the YouTube now. I think I'll be on the YouTube and I'll be preaching. I won't be here, but I'll be preaching in the tribulation. As you know, we did a study Bible back in 2013, and that's now 10 years old and it's going through a revision. I'm really excited about that because that Bible is going to be here during the tribulation. I've written a bunch of books. I think there'll be a lot of people during the tribulation period who never cared anything about the Bible who will be trying to find a Bible so they can read up and find out what in the world is going on. I remember one time I was talking to J. Vernon McGee before he went to heaven, and he said to me in his raspy old voice, I'm going to have the greatest time of preaching I ever had during the tribulation. I said, how's that? He said, I have cassettes everywhere. <laughs> he said, and I'm praying that they're going to be available. And of course, they're going to not be cassettes anymore. But anyway, <laughs> what this is all saying is that during this seven-year period, while everything on the earth is bleak and black, God is going to raise up people to himself in numbers so great you can't even put a number on it. And heaven will be populated with men and women who have come to Christ during the tribulation period. Now, it's important to understand that people who are saved during the tribulation, it's never too late to receive God's grace. You could get saved in the tribulation. But you also must understand that following Jesus during the tribulation will exact an incredibly high price. Because as you remember, when the Antichrist takes over in the tribulation period, he will require that everyone get a mark called the mark of the beast on their forehead or on their hands. What is that? It's an ingrained credit card, really. 
It makes it impossible for you to buy any food or drugs, go to the hospital, do any business, unless you can show in your body the mark of the beast. And Christians will not take the mark of the beast because that is a mark that says we give allegiance to Satan. And so if Christians don't take the mark of the beast, they won't be able to buy food, they won't be able to get drugs, they won't be able to go to the hospital, they won't be able to do business, and many, many Christians will starve to death during the tribulation. They will be martyred for their faith. Some will be killed, some will be beheaded. And the book of Revelation gives us a glimpse of the souls of believers who are martyred as you know, when they die, when they're martyred, their souls go to heaven, their bodies stay here on the earth in some sort of a mass grave, probably. Listen to these words from Revelation, reflecting upon what I've just said. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true? until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth. And a white robe was given to each of them, and it was said to them that they should rest a little while longer until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who would be killed as they were was completed. And when Jesus returns to the earth at the end of the tribulation, the bodies of these believers who died during those seven years will be resurrected. They will have a new heavenly body, and they will merge right into the millennium to serve with Jesus for a thousand years on this earth. One thing is crystal clear about salvation, men and women. Listen to me carefully. If a person leaves this world without receiving Christ as Savior from sin, it is absolutely too late for that person ever to be saved. The soul of that person will go to hell forever. And that's the plain and simple truth. There is no second chance for salvation after death. As the old saying goes, as death finds you, eternity keeps you. If you're not a Christian when you die, you can never be a Christian. I know some people teach that there's a place called purgatory, but that is not true. And there is no parole. There is no second chance. There's no do-over. There's no, I'm sorry, let me try again. The boundaries of destiny are forever fixed in the afterlife. Death removes any opportunity to change your mind about where you're going to spend eternity. Death closes the door on salvation forever. And someone has said, is there ever a time in this life when it's too late to be saved? Let me tell you, there's no unpardonable sin that cannot be overcome except the sin of unbelief. The unpardonable sin is the refusal of someone to believe in Jesus. In other words, some people have taught that abortion isn't the unpardonable sin. That is crazy. That's not true. There's no unpardonable sin. The only sin that will keep you from going to heaven is your failure to believe that Jesus died for you and wants to take you there to be with him. But there is a time in the tribulation when you could do something that would keep you from ever becoming a Christian. The Bible contains a warning against all who rejects this. Listen to this passage of Scripture from Revelation 14. Listen carefully. If anyone worships the beast and his image and receives his mark on his forehead or on his hand, he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, 
which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night who worship the beast and his image and whoever receives the mark of his name. If you are in the tribulation and you haven't been saved yet, and you get under pressure, I could imagine it like this. You realize that your family could be killed if you don't take the mark. You realize that your family might starve if you can't find some way to get food. And so you decide, well, I might as well take the mark or I'm going to die. If you take the mark of the beast, you will go to hell. And there's nothing anybody can do for you. So somewhere, somewhere along the way, somebody's going to say, am I going to starve to death and go to heaven? Or am I going to take the mark and spend eternity in hell apart from God? Pretty serious stuff. Arthur Compton was one of a committee of six scientists appointed by President Roosevelt to create the first atomic bomb. In a subsequent magazine article, he recalled the day in 1942 when he and other scientists conducted their first experiment in Chicago. He described the different reactions. He said there was relief and concern and excitement. They realized a power had been unleashed that would change the course of history, and it has. Compton knew that life on earth would never be the same, and he concluded his article like this. He said, man must now go the way of Jesus or perish. I want to say that to you today in love and in kindness. You must go the way of Jesus or perish. There is no other way. There's no second chance. There's no option. You can say, well, I don't believe that I'm going to try something else. I can't say this loud enough. What you believe about something has nothing to do whether it's true or not. You cannot make something untrue because you decide not to believe it. What I am telling you is from the truth of the Word of God. Whether you accept it or believe it or not, it remains true. And it will do what it says it will do. The Lord tells us when it comes to salvation, men and women, that now is the accepted time. Second Corinthians says now is the day of salvation. Every page of the Bible says today. Every tick of the clock says today. Every beat of your heart says today. Every obituary column in the newspaper says today. And all of creation cries out, behold, today is the day of salvation. Why did you come to church today? Why have you listened to this message? Some of it kind of dark. In the midst of the darkness, there is light. And that light is the Lord Jesus. And just as he went out of his way to show his mercy and love during the tribulation period, he's reaching down to you today here in this place. And the question is, will you receive him? Will you accept him as your Savior? When you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Bible says immediately you get the gift of eternal life so that you can live with God forever. If you do not do that, that won't work. If you want to go to heaven, the Bible says Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and there's no other way except through him. And you know, that's a hard thing for people to understand. Some people think that's bigotry. It's just true. Almighty God gets to make the rules. 
He's the one in charge. And he said, if you want to come to my heaven, you have to come through Jesus Christ. You have to accept him as your savior. I sent him to this world to provide provision for you so that you wouldn't show up at heaven someday all full of sin. He wants you to be saved so you can be holy, so you can be righteous, so you can spend eternity with the holy God. If you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, here's what to do. You may be driving a truck today. Pull your truck off the road. Pull your car off the road. Bow your head and say, Lord Jesus, I want to go to heaven. I want to go when the rapture happens, and I'm going to get ready. Come and live within my heart. Forgive me of my sin. I'm a sinful person, and I'm sorry for my sin, and I want to be saved. I come with my heart open and my hands open, Lord Jesus. I accept you today as my one and only hope of heaven. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Well, have a great day, and we'll see you next time right here on Turning Point. Our message today came to you from Shadow Mountain Community Church and Senior Pastor Dr. David Jeremiah. We appreciate your notes of encouragement, so please write to Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098, RPO Sawasan, Delta, B.C., V4L2M4. Visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or call 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's new book, The Great Disappearance, 31 Ways to Be Rapture Ready. Informative and inspiring, it's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app for your smartphone or tablet or search in your app store for Turning Point Ministries. Visit davidjeremiah.ca slash radio for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series, The Great Disappearance, on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. The rapture is God's promise that He'll return. If you want to learn how to be rapture ready, then be sure to order Dr. David Jeremiah's new book, The Great Disappearance, This fascinating glimpse into the next event on God's prophetic calendar is available for a donation of any amount to Turning Point. Donate $75 and you'll receive The Great Disappearance Set. Donate $100 or more and you'll receive a three-book share pack. Get yours today at davidjeremiah.ca. In all we do each day, Dr. David Jeremiah and Turning Point work to make a global impact for the kingdom of God. But we can't do it alone. That's where Bible Strong Partners come in. These loyal monthly supporters form the foundation of Turning Point, allowing Dr. Jeremiah to teach the whole counsel of God. Partnering with Turning Point enables you to share in the eternal impact of this ministry, leading people to Christ through our media and printed resources, multiplying Bible teaching broadcasts, presenting the gospel around the globe, and strengthening the saints. In appreciation for your partnership, Turning Point wants to provide you with exclusive monthly resources and study guides, member-only communications, an on-demand library of study content, and so much more. Are you ready to see what the Lord will do? Let's expect to change the world together. Go to davidjeremiah.ca slash BibleStrong to become a BibleStrong partner today. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash BibleStrong. I recently read about a woman who began smoking at age 15 and smoked daily until the age of 28 when she quit, thankfully for good. Now, nearly 60 years of age, she was reflecting on why she began smoking at such a young age. Her sole reason was because she wanted to be cool. She wanted to be like her peers. 
Adults are certainly not immune to peer pressure. We have to remember that there's only one person whose approval we really need, and that is Jesus Christ. When we seek to be like Him, to please Him, we are seeking the only approval that matters. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's approval on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com and get your roadmap for life. Route 66, start your journey home today.